Blog Talk Radio. believe it's still in May. Welcome to Desperate House Witches. I'm Scoring Wallace. I'm Raina Starr. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> welcome to, welcome to Desperate yeah. House Witches. Um, I'm going to take this quick moment to put an aside to our guest for tonight who has sent me a query. So I'm going to answer this query very quickly. Yeah, we're on for a half hour or 20 minutes before you even show up because we have business to take care of. So hopefully you understand. Uh, So when you call in, yes, you will be the guest, but I will have already done all the shout-outs and business things that we need to do. So, hi, if you're new to Desperate House Witches, (laughs) what you just heard me say is shit like that. Uh, This is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So if bodily functions, bad language, dirty talk, or anything else I might say might offend you, this may not be the show for you. But I'm betting it is the show for you. So you better stick the fuck around because we're going to have a good time tonight. Anyway, Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredible, wicked one herself, Dorothy Morrison, www.wickedwitchstudios. It is still May. It is still the month of Dorothy. You still have time to get to her website and buy a mystery box. So do it because time is running out. And if you need that product shipped overseas, check out www.theangrycauldron.com. They do her international shipping, and they have a great product line of their own. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I, I'm going to say this, and I'm just going to say it. George Floyd was not supposed to die. George Floyd didn't need to die. George Floyd shouldn't have been murdered on a sidewalk with a man's knee in his neck. Um, you know, back in the Bible days, for those of you who may still pay attention to that shit, an eye for an eye was the way to go. Um, in this regard, I'm going to say I agree. I do not have a problem with capital punishment. I know a lot of pagans do. I am not one of those pagans. I think murder for murder is do it. Do it, especially unjustifiably. They murdered this man yeah. for literally no reason. And you know what? I know that riots are a horrible thing. You know, we have an asshole in the White House who is talking about when they start looting, we'll start shooting. Fuck you, you moron. You're the problem. He's the one that makes these people feel emboldened. This is why it has gone so escalated the way it has because of this dumb orange cunt. Sorry. Come for me, bitch. I don't really care. Speaking of people coming for me, um, if you are wondering about the posts I made on my own page 
because I don't necessarily post shit like this on the show page because my personal feelings are not necessarily indicative of what we're doing on the show. But I did block somebody this week because I'm sorry. If you're a gun-loving, Trump-loving, fashion-gay-loving neocon or one of their ilk, you're not really a fan of the show. You're not really listening to learn anything because this would not be the motherfucking show for you to listen and learn from anyway. So your ass is going to be blocked. If I find your shit, I'm blocking your shit, okay? We don't need fake fans. We don't need fans that badly. So trust me, if I ferret your ass out, you're gone. Period. Done. Boom. That's what I had to say. Boom. There you go. Boom. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't need it. Don't need to be sweating you. You don't need to be watching me. You don't need to be watching my family. You don't need to be watching shit. You don't need to be watching the people who are real fans. You're just not going to be allowed to stay. You know, it's a dangerous world, and uh, we have responsibility to the people who do listen to us, and I don't have to tolerate your ass, so I'm not going to. There you go. Um, tonight's guest, I'm super excited about this. This is super excited about as well. We're going to be talking to Mortellus. Mortellus is a, well, we're going to talk about pagan death rites. And I don't want to mischaracterize the terminology. So I'm going to let the guest explain all that when she comes on. And, and that's going to be relatively soon. Um, but yeah. You know, and tomorrow we have a great guest, the author of the little work, Durgadas um, Alon Doriel. I said it right. I hope he's listening. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so he and I will be on tomorrow. Sis has the afternoon off tomorrow, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. This book is very cohesive as far as bringing together different paths and making them live together in a really cool way, but we're going to talk about that tomorrow. So, sis, what's up yeah. with you? I, I, have, I have had a weird week. You know, not, not okay. necessarily just weird, just blinking emotions up and down, of course, with what's going on in the world. You know, and sorry, my love to Minnesota right now. Uh, I'm with y'all, and I would be with y'all if I could be. Um, regardless, we have, uh, <laughs> we have gotten the dogs some shoes and it has been a source of entertainment for the past couple of days. <laughs> he, I'm sorry, you got okay. the dogs some shoes? Well, because he, he was used to being in the house with carpet. We had carpet everywhere except for the bathroom and the kitchen. And on the hardwood floor here, it's like if he gets going in any direction, he usually winds up slipping or bumping into stuff or falling. So we got him some some shoes for inside the house, you know, plus to (laughs) save the hardwood floors a tiny bit. (laughs) That's hilarious. The dog made his shoes. Oh, my God. That's too funny. And it's funny. It's uh, like totally a Monty Python sketch. I'll have to send you the video <laughs> a little bit because it's hilarious just watching him. He's like swimming through the air, 
it's like picks one or two legs up. He'll like try to shake it off. I feel bad for him, but he has he has a slip. So that's a good thing. Good on you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and we got the the kitty some um, kitty caps because you know our 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 uh, cat Stitch came to us declawed. Um, and I won't do it to any of, of my cats, but she still has claws, so she has taken to, even though we have two cat towers, one of which has like four or five different posts on it for her to scratch on, does she use those? Mm-hmm. Absolutely no. not. No, Hell she no. uses back of the chair uses the the rug, uses the back door mat, <laughs> it's like Which everything but so I was like I finally I was like, bitch, all right, that's enough. That is enough of that sure. shit. So mm-hmm. I got her some fall feet. Now she's got some pretty purple nails. Oh that's cute. Yeah. Every girl needs, there you go. Every <laughs> girl needs some false nails. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. I have been uh I have been doing the quarantine thing. I have been watching the University of YouTube. I have been learning how to do salon-style nails in the house. Um, I am personally personally supporting three Amazon drivers right now and uh, (laughs) six, six overseas companies that deal in fake nail products. Yeah, laugh if you will. But your bitch ass going to be over here asking me to bang out some goddamn nails. I know. Yeah, so, right? Uh-huh. See, I know. I know my shit. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I have um, I have now got, I don't even remember what you saw the last time you saw my nails. I think they were pink. They are now blue and gold. Um, <laughs> oh. Oh. And uh, tomorrow, who the hell knows, because when you become your own nail um, you can change them whenever the hell you want to. And apparently, see, I've never had extremely colorful nails. I always did the simple pink and white, you know, what they refer to now as the boomer nails. Um, all of a oh, sudden, really? I, yeah, all of a sudden, wild hair climbed up my ass and said, why don't you put some blue glitter on those bitches? So I did. And, yeah, a beast has been born. I will say, it is very nice to not have to go to a salon. The only reason I'll be going to a salon is to get my feet done, and that's only a few times a year. So I'm going to be saving some coin because coin right now is important. Now let me just remind folks, folks, just because things are lightening up right now, as far as restrictions go, things I would like you to remember. Number one, just because the government makes a decision about something doesn't mean the virus fucking agrees. Okay? That's number one. Number two, it is very yeah. likely, I'm saying it is going to absolutely happen, but it is very likely that we will have round two of this shit come the fall. Do me a favor. Be the fuck prepared now. Like, don't wait till the last minute. Toilet paper is back on the goddamn shelves. Go get yourself some extra rolls while they're out there. I mean, really. <laughs> Yeah. Wait until so people are climbing the fuck over each other because that shit is scary. 
And people get really upset when they cannot control their goddamn toilet paper. I have, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, people have had meltdowns over this shit. And I understand it because when you feel like you're not in control of your life, even something simple like toilet paper is pretty goddamn monumental. So, yeah, yeah. just prep. Yeah. Don't wait till a minute. Just prep up, you know, a couple or, you know, get a package here and there. I'm not saying go hog wild and clear yeah, out the shelf. <laughs> really not necessary. If you just, you know, buy a little bit extra at a time. Buy one package extra, not 40. You don't know, yes, ain't that dirty. And if it is, take a motherfucking bath because you're nasty. <laughs> so there you Wash your nasty asses. No, but all kidding aside. Be better, be better prepared this time because, listen, the worst that's going to happen if you buy extra toilet paper is that I have some extra toilet paper. Oh, that's the worst thing in the world. Don't worry. Toilet paper does not spoil. You'll be okay, I promise. <laughs> yeah, you are going to continue to shit and piss the rest of your life. Might as well have it. And if you don't need it, maybe somebody else will. Exactly. Please, think about your neighbors when you can. You know, there's a lot of elderly folks that don't have anybody. You know, I I was fortunate enough to have somebody next door that I could look after for a bit. She's very nice. You know, try to try to see how folks are. Take, take a look after them because you would want someone to look after your older folks. You know, my mother's in another state. My aunt is in another state where I keep them because these people drive me fucking insane. But the fact of the matter is, is that even if I wanted to be there, I couldn't be. And these folks appreciate it. And that kindness will be repaid. Trust me. Every week now, there are beautiful flowers on my table because my next door neighbor is a gardener and and Aww. knows that I love flowers. So in exchange for my kindness, I get kindness back. You know, unexpectedly, but hey, that's groovy. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it does it does get repaid multiple times over, and it's just good to try to build community. You know, we're all fucking talking about building community. Well, build some community, and uh, you know, look after folks. It's important. You know, it'll come in handy one day. I promise. But. Um, Let's see. Any spells this week? Any spell casting information? Um, I don't. Oh, there you are. I do not. Huh? Oh, is no, she you talking to me? Out first. Yeah. Oh, I did. Okay. Well, sometimes I mean I never dropped out in school, but sometimes I do drop out on occasion. You can't keep drop up with me. I'm a, I'm a wild woman. I'm a wild woman. Anyway, so. As far as spells go for the week, you know, continue to put up your wards and your shields. Make sure you're protected when you go out. Um, yeah. And being a witch does not mean you can get away without using the proper tools. Use a mask. Use gloves. Take care of yourselves. Yeah. You know, try when people punch get Nazi. stand too close to you. What? I said punch Nazis. Just I'm sorry, well, it was just now. <laughs> but with your um, gloves on, do it with your gloves on. 
don't punch anybody because you'll get arrested and then you're not serving the community. Um, <laughs> lovely suggestion, but maybe not this week. Um, basically, you know, remember your social distancing because a lot of people think just because they know someone that they're safe. As we found out this week, there's a member of Congress, at least one of them, that's been walking around completely infected but was too, didn't want to embarrass his family. So he kept going to work and basically contaminating all of the people around him um, in one of the state houses. So lovely oh, fucking asshole that is. So, you know, just because you know someone, do not assume that they are clean just because someone's not sneezing near you, don't assume that they're not sick. The mask is basically to protect other people from you. I understand that there's a lot of cunts out there who are like, I don't believe in wearing a mask. I actually work with some of these cunts. Anyway, the fact of the matter wow. is, is that it's not about you, you bitch. It's about protecting the people around you. But a lot of you are fucking selfish. I just hope you don't get it because if you do get it, I'll get it too. And I would hate that for you because I will never let you forget it. But that's just me. Anyway. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's tonight's PSA. And, uh, you know, do the right thing. It doesn't, it doesn't really cost you anything to do the right thing. Just be smart. Look after yourselves, look after young people, look after old people. Because you were young once and you're going to be old if you're lucky. So just do the right fucking thing, you know. Um, yeah, but from that, oh, uh, folks who were going to Mystic South, the hotel has canceled the Mystic South reservations as a kindness for us. Uh, so if you did not cancel your reservations, you should have an email from the hotel where they did it for you. If you do not have this email that I am discussing, uh, you just may want to get in touch with the hotel to be doubly sure that your reservation did get canceled because uh, you don't want to wind up paying for something you're not attending. Um, Mystic South has been rescheduled for next July. It will be at the Doubletree Hilton uh, in Chambly or Dunwoody, I can't remember which. It'll be on the Mystic South page. Dunwoody, okay. Um, so check that out. It's all been rescheduled. We're pretty happy that we are working with a really classy hotel uh, that serves amazing cookies, <laughs> and they even shared the <laughs> recipe, which we thought was really nice of them. They didn't have to do that. Aww. It is a. It has until now been a secret recipe, but, you know, at, in the time of a pandemic, everybody pulls together. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, awesome. But, yeah, yeah, so a lot of events, as everyone knows, have been canceled. I'm sure a lot more are going to be canceled. We're going to try to get as many folks on the air uh, as possible over the, the next couple of months because a lot of these folks are dependent upon festivals for their income. And, you know, when things cancel, that really screws the pooch for them. So, um yeah, we're 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 scheduling like crazy. We have we have a really full year this year. Um, I thought we were only going to be doing weekend shows this year. 
I have been informed, um, <laughs> or I should actually say, it has been requested that we do more. So we are actually going to continue to do shows on Saturdays for the foreseeable future. Um, we'll keep you posted on the schedule. You can always go to our event page and see what's coming up, who and when. All the information is out there. I try to keep it up to date um, at least a couple of months in advance for everybody to see. So check it out, Desperate House Witches on Facebook. That's Desperate House which is three separate words. So that if you guys have been wondering, like, well, I can't find this, that may be why. <laughs> um, but sorry about that confusion. <laughs> but, yes, we are on Facebook. We're actually on YouTube as well. Um, and we have email. We have Twitter. We have, I think we have Tumblr. I'm pretty sure we have Tumblr. Um, and, uh Yeah. So tonight's conversation is going to be really interesting because the person that we're talking to, Mortellis, uh, is about to have a book released, and um, she is a mortuary person and gets deployed to hotspots. So, it, you know, with everything going down, it's going to be very interesting, and we're very lucky to have her tonight because she could be asked to go by the government at any fucking moment. So, you know, yeah. it's pretty cool that she's coming to hang with us. We kind of got lucky yeah. on that one. We get lucky on a lot of them, actually. But, yeah, I thought that was pretty lucky for us. So we we should be hearing from her momentarily. I know she was uh, gearing up for a little bit of food, getting her food ah. together because mortuary yeah, work is tiring shit. Yeah, you got to eat, and I'm sure that is some tiring shit. I, I, don't know how you, I don't know how she fits. Oh, you got her? Bring her on. Yeah. All right. Hello. Hi. Lady, Lady how are you? Doing good. You? It's good to be here. You're right. It, it is tiring work. You have to eat. Yeah. Well, welcome. So, welcome. Happy to have you. Um, so tell us, tell me the right terminology. What What is your proper, your good and proper title? Well, that depends. Are we talking about magic or are we talking about uh, death work? Yes Ooh. and yes, whichever one yes. you're into. <laughs> yes, yes and yes. yes. Okay. Well, yeah. um, let's see. In uh, magic, I am a third-degree uh, high priestess of uh, Gardnerian witchcraft, and mm -hmm. I run I run a training coven in Rutherford, North Carolina. Um, in death work, I prefer the term the term mortician, but it's very old-fashioned. Okay. Um, modern terms would include funeral director or embalmer. Um, Right now, I'm a nobody, spending all my time volunteering in the COVID-19 crisis. So mm. that's well, not I a nobody. Hardly, I was going <laughs> to say that that hardly qualifies as a nobody yeah. title. Um, what's you know? I, I'm assuming that you kind of have to incorporate being a witch with being a mortician in certain regards. Yeah. There's got to be some protections in order. Tell tell me about it. It's a very interesting thing that you do. It's something I know precious little about. 
Um, I think it's, um, I came around to everything backwards. Long story short, when I was uh, a small child, I had a near-death experience. And Ooh. that sort of led to my path of working in mediumship, working with the dead. And when I got out into the world as an adult, I wound up volunteering with hospice and doing a lot of other sort of mundane work. And, you know, growing as a witch alongside that, it just was sort of inevitable that I was going to find my way to that kind of work. You know, we always want to lead a a ritual-based life, a life where our magic is part of our daily work. And Mm -hmm. for me, for me, that meant shipping myself off to mortuary school in my 30s, and here we are. Wow. Wow. That's pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean, being a fellow gardenarian, about wanting to lead a ritual-based life and, and having all of that, but I find I'm able to do that at an office. You oh, went a lot deeper. I mean, you went a lot deeper. I mean, everybody, everybody, you know, incorporates their magic into their life. I'm definitely not saying you have to go, go all in, but I'm, I'm just that kind of person. I, I go, you know, feet first into whatever thing has crossed my mind at the time. And, and at, you know, for me, it was death. And I, I just had to dive into it and make that my everything. I, I so owe what? it a debt for, for continuing to, to be alive. I had to, I had to pay that debt. Wow. That's. That's pretty interesting. You want to tell that story a little more about the near-death experience, or is that too personal? You can say, Raina, shut up. I'll I'll move on. It's pretty heavy, and I I, I don't want to get into it too much. But as um, okay, when I was That's when fine. I was five, I, I had a bad experience and um, attempted to take my own life. I grew up with a bunch of Baptists who said if you killed yourself, you you went to hell and you got to never see the people you love again. And I thought, wow, that sounds great right now. My family sucked. After eating a bottle of heart pills, I laid in a coma for four days and was legally dead for a few minutes. And mm-hmm. uh, while in that coma, I, I had an experience of traveling to the underworld and meeting a goddess. And she told me that I had to go back because I had work to do. And, uh, well, here I am. That's pretty amazing wow. and extremely heavy, but heavy in a really, I mean, I'm sure the experience at the time was pretty horrible, but I would think that in retrospect, you know, you got sent back here, and that's, I mean, I'm glad you're here, um, and I'm sure a lot of people are, but that is, yeah, that's pretty damn heavy, I have to admit. But see, that's kind of a calling, and I think that kind of calling is something that a lot of us don't ever get to experience. Like you had a firsthand, listen, this is what you're doing, but this is not what you're going to be doing. We want you to do it this way and help other people with it. So I think that's that's really amazing. And thank you so much for actually yeah. sharing that with us. Because sure, that's pretty sure. great. Yeah. I um. I have a I have a dear friend and she's a, a student in my coven and she told me once a long time ago she's an she's an agnostic witch which is a challenge I know sometimes to you know make peace with different styles of thinking in your head and she told me I was really lucky because I had this super tangible experience that I could fall back on everything would always feel real I never had to question anything because there it was just laid out in front of me and and 
she's right. I am lucky that I had that had that experience that I could take away and say, I know what I'm supposed to be doing forever. Yeah, I I find that a lot of us, myself included, don't get that. We don't get that hit you across the head, this is your path, go do it situation. I mean, those of us who do, good on you. That's that's fantastic. I wish for it never happened, and I'm pretty old, so I don't know that it will happen. I'm not saying it can't, but um, to make it a life's work is, is a very different thing at a certain age. So, I mean, I think it's amazing that you serve in that regard. Tell me about the struggles you've been facing in the wake of the pandemic, though, with what you do. Because my understanding is, and I'd heard that, you know, death workers do not get the appreciation that they deserve. I I can agree with that. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard for people, I think, to think about us in times like these. I mean – we want to think about frontline workers like doctors and nurses because those are the people saving lives. They have the the skills and the opportunity to put your loved one back in your life. But if I'm if I'm on the scene, then that has failed, and nobody wants to think about that. But but I joke that the the front line the front line is a circle. If those frontline workers turned around, we're standing right behind them, waiting. You know. Yeah, I think but, that's that's. Got- that's got to be a noble but really difficult job. I mean, you're, you're the the final person to give that loved one some dignity when they've gone, you know. You're, you're definitely right, and especially in a time where, you know, people are dying alone in hospitals and uh, distancing restrictions are keeping people from having funerals or really interacting with these deaths. You know, your death worker is really – your last line of knowing that your loved one is, is getting the experience you want them to have. And, and I promise you they want you to have it. They're doing all that they can. But yeah. you, were, you were talking about challenges. I mean, for me, you know, going through mortuary school is not a short or simple process. You have several years in school followed by apprenticeships and board exams and all that fun stuff. And I'm I'm still doing the end of that now. But so many of us, it was student doesn't matter you're out there you're just you're on the front lines now so currently I'm I'm part of a volunteer team uh, with the Medical Reserve Corps and I'm also uh, registered with um, the Department of Health and Human Services as a DMORT member which is really unusual for someone who has not even finished their board exams but here we are Um, Mm -hmm. but you know they need everybody they can get out on the field and it's we just we're doing the best we can with it. So yeah. it must be so the situation must be Yeah, the the situation must be a lot dire than than we even imagine. Would that be the case? If you're taking people, I mean it's kinda of like throwing soldiers out there who haven't completed basic. Would exactly. that be a fair assessment? That it's exactly like that. And it's the same for nurses and doctors. I mean they've they've been yeah. like you're in your you're in the last throes of medical school, forget residencies, forget licensing, you're out there. You're just doing it. Like, this is what's happening right now. Wow. So what will happen because of this service that you're giving um, and the fact that you're being basically, like you said, thrown out there, um, how will this affect your completion of your studies? Is this your... I mean, it's kind of severe, but is this your apprenticeship right now? Is that the point that you've already jumped to? 
It, it could be. We'll see. It's funny when, um, I mean, I guess it's not funny, but it depends on your humor. Um, my last semester fell over the time when this pandemic started, and it happened to be because I'm a glutton for punishment. I had piled on 24 credit hours, and wow. it was wow. finishing I was finishing editing my book and all this happened. So it's like, well, you're volunteering and you're doing all this classwork and you're editing. So you're never sleeping or eating. So <laughs> that's kind of how it's been. Wow. For a couple months. So that's, that's rough. Good. Well, thank you. Thank you for your service. That's, you know, yeah. I, I don't know that a lot of people still in school as it were, because technically you're still in school from what you've described. Well, so, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a graduate now as of the 15th yeah. of this month. <laughs> wow. So you so. you are from the frying pan right into, literally right into the fire. <laughs> yes, so forged I, right in it. <laughs> yeah, I have to, uh, you know, we have to thank you for being willing to be put out there like that, being new to, you know, all of these, I mean, and we're going through something that who the hell saw this coming, but I mean, you know, you not only are you getting hands-on experience, to put it mildly, but yeah. under probably some of the worst circumstances imaginable, and I, I'm just really appreciative. You know, I've got a lot of, personally, I have a lot of issues with death because I was raised in a Christian household. So, you know, I do still have some of that fear of not knowing what's going to happen. Like, I don't know if this is something you have discussions with with folks who are dying necessarily, but, I mean, and I'm not dying, I'm just saying, um, you know, the whole should I be burned, should I be buried, I'm terrified of waking up and being, you know, like being in the box and waking up alive is like one of my major fears. I know well, I I tell you what, I can fix I can fix at least that one thing for you. Mortuary really? workers are trained to make sure that you are 100% dead, even if it means poking under your fingernails with a pin just to make sure that you don't have any nerve responses. So you'll never wake up in a box, I promise. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I mean, seriously, that's, that's good to we know because that. I do because – I mean, I have a fear of burning, but I have a fear of waking up. So, I, you know, I've, I've kind of told my loved ones, listen, I'm not qualified to make the decision, but I'm, I, I'm fearful of both, but I'm def, definitely afraid of waking up in a box. So I think they've already decided what they're going to do about it. <laughs> um, but thank you for alleviating that fear because isn't there, isn't there a shortage now of places to A, put bodies, or B, cremate them? It really depends on the area that you're in. If we're talking about the United States, I mean, we have a few yeah. hot spots out there where it's really challenging, but state yeah. laws really weren't designed for a situation like this. Um, so you look at somewhere like New York, for example, and they're really overloaded, they're stressed to the max, but it's it's not really within the parameters of the law to take those bodies out of state to cremate them. So they've had wow. some adjustments and change things so that, you know, we could get through this situation. But then you look at a small town like, like the one that is my hometown, and, you know, we definitely 
shout out to the Rutherfordton crew, of which there are many. Yeah, I, I, I used to live there too. <laughs> like oh, years ago. Yeah, I used to live off of 221A. <laughs> oh, wow. So we would have been yeah. very close together. I live on Poor's Ford Road near the Broad River Bridge, so now everyone can come find me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, we used to be neighbors. <laughs> yeah, very, very close. Beautiful, beautiful place. But you know, yeah. you, you look at a town. You look at a town like this. We have a population of, gosh, like three thousand people. And you know, we've definitely we have deaths here. We've had, I think, currently we have around three hundred or so active cases, um, and that's ones yeah. that we know about, obviously. Right. So we, wow. It's not like we're overrun with deaths. We can keep up with it, but, you know, it's still, it's still affected. Yeah, so that must be yeah. challenging. Are you, are you basically, I mean, is it possible that you'll be deployed elsewhere? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm on standby status pretty much 100% of the time. I could get called literally anywhere at any moment. I just have a bag permanently packed beside the bed, which is super stressful. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, and you need to make sure you're prepared with whatever clothing or whatever else you might need. Yeah, a go bag. A go bag in a, in a pandemic is, is a weird thing. Yeah, right. And not to certainly not to draw attention to struggles, but, I mean, just think about all these volunteers out there. Most of us don't get paid for going out there. Most of us have to cover our own travel, our own hotel, our own food, all this stuff. And it's not like oh nurses, nurses and doctors frequently are able to get free hotels or free food, but sure. mortuary workers, we're on the shit end of that list. So. Oh, wow. Not only, not only are we working for free, but it's fucking expensive. <laughs> yeah, right? That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. There should be a way for folks to kind of like adopt you while you're – you know, doing this good work. I mean, I know that people don't like talking about death. I know that people don't like dealing with death. It's going to come for all of us in this pandemic. It could come for a lot of us sooner than later. And I think there should be more of an appreciation of, you know, our death workers are are doing a yeoman's job. You just heard it. They don't get paid for this. They have to pay their own expenses. You know, buy somebody a goddamn meal if you see them. You know, offer them a cup of coffee. This shit's hard work, and uh, I, I, they're I doing they're they're doing work that most of us would never want to do. So I think a little appreciation would be in order. Just I definitely, I definitely want to clarify that you know, folks working for funeral homes and funeral establishments and and that kind of stuff, they're definitely getting paid. But those of us who are deploying oh, yeah. out to help in these other areas. Most of us right. are doing it on a voluntary basis, and yep. you know, it, and is, I think it is. Folks don't know that. I think, yeah, exactly. It's imp- exactly. It's imp- yeah. I'm sorry. It's important to let people know that because they're not aware of it. I sure as fuck wasn't aware of it, and yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> so if you know, not that I know everything or even anything, but if I didn't know, I'm sure there's six or seven other people who didn't know either. So, you know, I'm glad. You- 
I think one of the tougher things for us is there's this sort of misperception that we don't have as much risk as, as say, a hospital worker. They're, it's like, well, they're not breathing on you, so it's not like you're in danger. But, you know, you, you're manipulating their body, you're moving them around, you're yeah. aspirating their lungs, they're in your face. And even though we're medical workers, we're classified as medical, we're classified B rating for things like protective gear. So let's say there's a box of masks and respirators and gowns in front of you. If any medical worker class A in the building needs them before you, you come in last in line. So I've seen, wow. I've seen mortuary workers out there with like a trash bag with a hole for their head and arms, a mm -hmm. bandana over their face they've got like a grocery store bag on their head and it's just like like the saddest small town rain suit that we're trying it's, it's so sad to see these people in back rooms trying to protect themselves not just from this virus but from bloodborne pathogens and we're you know we're working yeah. with the body it's it's crazy is there a place where we can is there a place where we can, or something that we can say or do, or is there an address that we can have folks if they want to contribute in some fashion uh, to make it happen where you guys get maybe a little bit more of your own stuff that you don't have to count on, you know, that, that well, as it were? If you go to the NSDA's website, that's the National Funeral Director Association, I believe they have a COVID-19 tab and you can click for volunteer information and there's an email address there where you can reach out if you might have any masks or equipment or, or anything like that. But aside from that, I would just say reach out to local funeral homes, mortuary workers in your area, if there's a mortuary school in your state, send them an email mm -hmm. and ask if they know of anyone in the field who's who's volunteering that, that maybe you can send equipment to. There are just tons of people out there who could use it. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, I will get that information yeah. from you again and put it on the show page so folks have it to reference. Because um, that's, yeah, I mean, you're doing something that is, to me, superhuman. I would not be brave enough. I do not have the mental fortitude or even the physical capability of doing what you're doing, and I just, you know, we thank you, we salute you, whatever's appropriate. But, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. But thank you for sharing all of that information because, like I said, I don't think a lot of folks know what's happening out there. You know, you think about the people that are, you know, re doing the rescue end of it. But, you know, there are people who have to take care of your loved ones after they've gone because the doctors could not do any more than they did, you know, it happens. Absolutely. So, you know, that's not the last person. You tend to think that's the last person who sees your loved one. Au contraire, not even close to true, especially right now in this pandemic situation. Death care workers definitely need support. Uh, so, yeah, guys, they're in our community. Let's help them out some. But, yeah. okay, so we covered that. Let's talk about the book. I want to know about the uh, book. The book. The book I never meant to be writing. <laughs> so <laughs> once upon a time, I was in a hotel adjacent Llewellyn editor and ranted at her quite a bit about how very sad I was that there wasn't a book that covered all these things that need saying. <laughs> and I yeah. think just, to, just maybe so I would shut up and go away. 
Oh, they gave me an opportunity to write it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never leave. We have to. <laughs> well, I hear most people say that they write books that they wish were available, and uh, I guess that's the case with you. It is. I, you know, in mortuary school, I realized day one, which was so depressing. I came in, you know, I come in off the street, this fresh faced in my 30s, <laughs> which, you know, hoping to dig into something that I think is going to be really powerful and magical for me. And day one, it's like, hey, look how much they hate pagans. <laughs> this is the first thing you learn is how much they don't wow. like you. <laughs> really? Like, textbooks are so, so distastefully uh, unkind to pagans. It's It's really terrible. And you know, we get these books where it's like, here's here's a book with every kind of funeral you'll ever have to do. And you flip through it, and they're all some flavor of Christian. And that's fine, and I'm, I'm glad mm. they have those available. But, you know, what about the rest of us? Yeah. And in spending three years in mortuary school kind of railing against the machine and, and using every single class as an opportunity to climb up on my soapbox, I'm, I'm sure they were glad to see me go too. Let me tell you, but just using using all those opportunities to educate and and complain and bitch and moan and grumble, um, it was just like you know it's time we need something that addresses all these unspoken things. If there's not something in print that some family could march into that funeral home with and say this is what we need, this, you know, yeah. it's, it's so necessary and. I, I, I'll tease Heather a little bit. We've we've gone back and forth about it because, you know, I, I want to put all this technical, sciencey medical stuff in there. And she's like, nobody wants to read that. You, this is for families. And I'm like, if you got to understand, if it's not in there, these funeral workers aren't going to understand what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, good. Like uh-huh. in there, you're you're <laughs> in there pumping it for the families. So that it, it can happen, because do so. Let me ask you a question about that. Do sure. funeral directors have a right to refuse certain funerals? Oh boy, that's complicated. I mean, that's complicated with anybody. Can a can a bakery refuse a gay couple for a wedding cake? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be like that with funeral homes. So you're you might you might have to shop elsewhere if you find someone that doesn't want to take your money, but. Never forget this, people, and let me just really lay this down for you. Just because someone someone has grandma's body on a table back there doesn't mean they're who has to get your money. You tell them plain as day that you're taking your business elsewhere. Until you've signed right. a contract, you get to say no. Okay. Huh. That's cool. That's that good is to good know. information I didn't to know have. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, especially for I grieving thought, families because you're not thinking about sure. stuff like that. Exactly. You're thinking, and that's, yeah, that's what this book is about. It's about, you know, thinking about this stuff ahead of time, really learning the rules and how they apply to you. What are the laws? What do they do behind the scene? And how might that affect you spiritually? I'll give you an example. Um, comedic practitioners, uh, practitioners of uh, their reconstructionists, they practice ancient Egyptian practices. It's very important to them that they have a ceremony called the opening of the mouth because in their afterlife, your body functions as it would here now. So part of that ritual is 
is ritually giving you back your senses, your ability to eat and speak and see and hear and so on. It's part of their rights. What most people don't know is that behind the scenes in the prep room, your mouth is sewn shut. You might not be able to see that. You might not see it, but it's there. And for those families, that would be a huge huge thing that that would be horrible for them. So knowing it and knowing that it's not allowed for those families is important. Yeah. Wow. Holy crap. Are there any funeral places that cater, cater to our kind of people? There are a few out there. I mean, it wouldn't be really fiscally sensible to cater specifically to a type of market, but for example, there is a group um, out in the Midwest called Samam, and they in particular do Egyptian-style mummification burials. So that's really cool and very expensive. Yeah. yeah. No <laughs> doubt. I mean, it depends on the kind of pagan funeral. Uh, most burial rites would be pretty normal aside from maybe maybe your funeral home just has never seen it or done it before but most of it would not fall outside the realm of normal cost um that particular group is expensive because they do um a 70 day mummification process so it requires a lot of storage um they do an immersion type of preservative so it involves you know submersing this this person into a tank full of of materials to preserve the body and keeping it there stable for 70 days. So that's expensive. Wow. 70 days? That is the typical uh, amount of time for mummification. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Now, do they have to be replenishing those fluids? No, it would be... um, Think about like your your science lab. Once you put the the pig heart into the the jar of formaldehyde, uh, you don't really, you don't really have to change it out too much. But okay. It might get murky, but that doesn't really that doesn't matter for this purpose. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Murky's okay. So wow. So in your book, so so what does your book what what does your book do? If that's I think that's a really Simplistic question. What, who is the book? Okay, so who is the book geared for? Let's start with that. Who's the book geared for? I'm, I'm going to make Rowan very mad at me right now by saying it is for pagans, it is for funeral service professionals, and it is for guests of a pagan wedding. Or wedding. Ha ha. Guests of a pagan funeral. <laughs> What is wrong with me today? I'm sorry. No, that's okay. No, I'll I'm tell you. Sorry. I've been writing about Discordian funeral rites today, and uh, one of their practices is that you're supposed to dress for a funeral as though you were going to a wedding. So I had that in my brain. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, it, if you have a, a person who has a pagan loved one who's died and they, they don't know what to expect at a pagan ritual, they could pick up this book and know what they're going to see. And a funeral service worker could pick this book up and know what those families need. But a pagan person can pick it up and arm themselves with information, and it's loaded mm. with rites and rituals and uh 
broken down into sections, really technical stuff, but then there are chapters for all kinds of different uh, pagan groups, traditions, which includes just everything you could think of. It's it's just it's a big old sandwich full of information. All right, so this book Ooh, is technically like for for me or sis in the regard of like let's say I die as soon as the book comes out and I've got a copy, hopefully. Um, so basically, because here's my predicament, and this is the predicament that I have been dealing with most of my life. My first husband was Wiccan. Um, mm-hmm. My current husband is not. So mm-hmm. I have instructed my first husband that he is supposed to make sure that I get a proper burial. Oh, you can hand, problem. You can I hand mean, this book to your current husband, and he'd be all set. Okay, so that cool. Okay, because my ex-husband and I have been fighting about politics. You don't want to know. Republican witches. I'm not getting it. I still don't get it. I'll never get it. He wasn't a Republican when we were married. That's all I can tell you. But anyway, <laughs> I've been re- I've been relying on him to be the one to make sure that I get whatever is appropriate. But now I don't have to worry about that. Because what you're saying is this book will take care of that. It unstresses me. It gives him a game plan. All good. Very cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you go, there are, two, there are two Wiccan chapters in the book. There's a chapter for British traditional Wicca and for eclectic Wicca. If you open that British traditional Wicca section, you're going to find mourning customs. You're going to find how to comfort the bereaved. You're going to find resources. You're going to find history and beliefs. You're going to find rituals for last rites, for viewings and wakes, for the funeral service itself, for disposition, for the anniversary of death. It's going to talk about private rites and rituals. It's going to talk about how the body should be prepared, what are appropriate dispositions, it's got everything. And then at the end of that chapter, there are a few books a person could pick up. It has some resources. It's like if you want to learn more, go check out these other awesome books that are going to tell you even more about this group. And every tradition chapter has that much information or more. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> that just puts my that puts my mind, you know, you don't know. I've been dealing with this. I mean, to be honest, I'm almost, you know, I'm 59 years old this year. So death is something I have to think about. And I know a lot of us don't want to think about it, but it's like, no, nah, you know what? The road ahead's a lot shorter than the road behind. i got to think about this shit. So I don't want them to have to rely on my ex-husband, who I'm arguing with, for what to do. So this is perfect, because now I don't have to think about this anymore. You have taken something off my plate. Thank you. From this busy gardenarian to you, another busy gardenarian. Thanks. I just there to be something for people like you and like me and I wanted there to be a resource something that hospital chaplain could pick up and stick on their shelf and understand what the grieving process is for a pagan or how the death and grieving of a Wiccan might differ from that of a heathen for example and Mm -hmm. I just I, I really wanted this to be a resource that just about anyone could have room for on their shelf I can't wait to put it there. (laughs) 
Oh, I'm sure it will be really I mean, terribly boring, I'm sure, but I'm <laughs> excited to share it with the world. No, I think, now, you now, know, this really yeah. was fortuitous that, you know, you're out there in the world right now and you're experiencing something that none of us have ever, ever experienced in our lifetimes. Um, and I think you've got a unique perspective on what needs to happen. I don't know a lot of morticians. certainly don't know a lot of Gardnerian morticians. So your unique perspective speaks to, you know, at the very least, other witches and other pagans, you know. And we don't get a lot of representation in all fields. So yeah. for me, to know that you've done this makes me really feel good like you know for every step that we get knocked back there's somebody like you pushing us forward so thank you for doing that when can we expect this book i don't have a release date yet but i'm told that it should be up for pre-order pretty soon um fingers crossed sometime in june july but um um, our release is sometime winter 20 of 2020 so okay well, that's cool. So, in essence, what I'm hearing is, all right, Raina, don't fucking die before this book comes out. <laughs> I tell, I tell you what. You tell your husband if you die between now and then or between now and forever, he can call me and I will come help. Oh, you're you are the sweetest. That's, you know, you think I'm joking. I'm not joking because this is something, you know, I'm, I have everything in the eighth house, which is the house of sex and death. So this is something that's on my mind constantly. So it's either orgasms or burials. Thanks for taking care of one of those two things. This is very I, I, important I, in my life. <laughs> no, we're, we live in the same state, you and I, and even if we didn't, I'd still show up. So you tell him. I mean that. It'd be my honor. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. So are you, Are you know, I know that you do mortician work. Are you also able to give pagan last rites? Are you qualified that, for that I as do, well? I do that as well. Um, I think as pagans uh, often, especially when we're in specialty fields, we have to have sort of a pluralistic, unitarian view. We, You know, we would rather... Yeah. We'd rather have a heathen at our Wiccan last rites than a Baptist, right? So, thank you. Know. you. <laughs> I'll, I'll show up for whoever asks me, and I work for tea, so it's not it's not hard Aww. to get me. And if if you're looking for, I'll say this to everyone who's listening, but you know, if you're looking for someone in your area that can help you and is sensitive to to you know pagan issues surrounding death. And reach out to me. I am happy to refer you to anyone you might know in your area. And if there's no one, like I said, I'll show up. That's what I do. Wow. That's incredibly generous. I can't thank you enough that you've really put my mind at an ease I haven't had. And that means a lot to me. So thank you. And I hope other, I hope, I hope other pagans are listening because it's coming for us all at some point. You know, the gods are like, okay, you're done. Come on, let's go. So <laughs> you make sure you go in a way that you want to be gone, you know. we exactly. Everybody is not going to be sensitive to who we are. You know, when you wind up in a hospital, you need an advocate. You need somebody who knows what your wishes are. And this is the kind of book that, 
is going to be kind of mandatory for everybody uh, that is a pagan or on an alternate path of, I think, any kind. It's good to know, you know, if you have a loved one. Like my, my husband is, is Buddhist, so he is sensitive to what we do, but he doesn't have the knowledge. So, I mean, this is going to be a great source of reference for him because I do, in fact, plan on going first. So, you know, things can be done appropriately. You can have that information out there. This is just a great thing, and I really appreciate it. What are, what are some of the other sources of information that are, that are in the book that, that might be uh, beneficial for folks who are pagan-adjacent, not necessarily pagan? Well, there are a few things in here that I think will be really interesting to everyone. Um, I do talk quite a lot about modern practices, alternative forms of disposition, kind of the arts and crafts of death, like sewing shrouds and building around coffins. There's a lot of stuff that would appeal to people who are just interested in home burials or green burials. I talk a lot about information surrounding that and laws and i talk about kind of the misconceptions that live between embalming and green burial um that's kind of a big soapbox for me um i think people hear embalming and and they immediately think that this is an environmentally unfriendly ghoul who's just slicing you up in the back room dunking you in chemicals that's not true true. can you explain it for me because I've been hearing this all my life that embal- you know, embalming bad, embalming chemicals, bad for the environment, formaldehyde, a lot of a lot of scary stories about from formaldehyde uh for many, many years. So yeah, you I mean, get on your soapbox. Teach sure. me some shit, because I don't know anything. Well, there are a few <laughs> things that I would want to say to someone. First and foremost, I think it's really important to understand what embalming is and what it is not. The word historically just means to preserve or to give something a better smell. So if you've ever canned a jar of pickles or sprayed air freshener in your bathroom, you have embalmed something. But (gasps) no shit. (laughs) And, And yes. Modern embalming often, but not always, does involve uh, putting uh, formaldehyde-based chemicals through the bloodstream and flushing out bacteria and blood and other fluids so that the body can last a little longer, which is awesome if you have to ship it out of state or out of country or you have to wait for someone to get there for a funeral. But it's also legally required in certain instances, say, for instance, um, someone has to be autopsied or they've donated their body to science, any situation where they might need to last a little longer. Hmm. But there are green processes where we essentially flush all those same bacteria-laden fluids out of your body and replace them with essential oils or glycerin or any number of other things. It's more about the process than what we're using. Okay. Uh, A lot of modern embalming can use a lot of plastic, but that's not everybody. So definitely don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can definitely ask ask your funeral home not to use plastic goods or tell them that you want a green process. And these are things you Mm -hmm. can ask for. But I would say this, and I think it's really important. Your embalmer, not your funeral director, your embalmer, that is the person that is your advocate. 
That's the person that's going to be performing your rites. That's the person that's going to be in that prep room alone with your body. That's the person you want to talk to about the things you want. You want them to do something particular like wash the body with some consecrated water that you made. They'll do that. You just have to ask for these things. You'd be surprised. Your, Your mortician back there, I promise, is listening to the radio and... 99% 99% of the time, if you say, hey, would you play Wardruna while my body's prepped? They'll say, yeah, they'll do that. Could you add a little rose water to my last bath? Yeah, they'll do that. That's the person you talk to when you want something unique, something to alter that experience into something more magical for you. That person is your advocate. That's good to know. That's good to know. Seriously. My husband is a Buddhist, is interested, and has been talking about a green funeral for himself, but we we didn't even know where to start with that. So perfect. Okay. That's really good to know. I know we talk a lot. We We use the word green like a buzzword, but don't forget that green just means a natural burial, which is exactly what every funeral was up to a point. It just means, yep. yeah, you're, no plastic, no chemicals that can harm the ground, that kind of thing. So it's really not going to be all that different from a regular funeral unless you want it to be. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I'm learning all this shit that I didn't know. Now, if That's you want a cool. If you want a real soapbox, things I don't like about the funeral industry, I would argue about the use of plastic all day long, and I would argue about how much hardwood and metal we bury in caskets forever. I'm very yep. pro. I'm very pro eco uh, burial container. I'm very pro shroud. Um, mm-hmm. Those are those are my That's big boxes, and I definitely do. I fight about that quite a bit behind the scenes. So. No, I I I've thought about the the shroud, the you know where they they basically because I I'm an organ donor, so mm-hmm. if they need to take your organs, you know they do that and then just basically shroud you and put you in the ground. You know, it's like it's, no it's, casket, possible tree buried over you. That that's the only thing I've ever known about. You know, so I this is interesting. I think a lot of people think that if they're an organ donor, they can't have an open casket or they have to do kind of specific things with their body. But I promise I've given lots of organ donors open caskets. Um, really? Let's say you've donated your eyes. Well, mm-hmm. your your eye sockets would look a little hollow, but your face would not be changed. And what yeah. I can do in that instance is roll up a little ball of mortuary wax and place it under the eyelid and it, it's natural, it's biodegradable, and it looks like nothing has changed. Oh, if, you've wow. donated, if you've donated an organ, um, you could say, well, I've donated my heart, but I don't want anything filling that space that would be bad for the environment. Could you put this talisman, this coin, these plants, these items in in that space? They can do that for you. Would you like a friend to so a, a, a poppet to represent your heart that they've transferred that energy to without harming the recipient donor and place it in the cavity, they can do that. Or oh, wow. if, you, if you've donated a long bone like your leg, well, odds are 
if you're in your burial container, no one will be able to see that because we usually yeah. only dead from what the waist up. But what we can do is, is we often will fill that space with something like a branch, uh, a dowel rod, something like that. I prefer things that are more natural. Um, yeah. Sew the skin up around it, prepare it, put their clothes back on, and, and you never know that it was there. Huh. This is That's fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. Wow. You were asking. You were asking about things that might appeal to non-pagans in the book. I think there are lots of things, but there's one chapter I think you might find very interesting. Are you Uh familiar with the idea of a crypto pagan? No. No. Well, crypto pagan is, is. It's a word you don't hear too much, but it is the the proper term for a person who's closeted and pretending to either not be pagan or pretending to be a different faith, like passing as Christian. We see that a lot, especially in the South. Really? So I have, I have a chapter dedicated to death rituals for crypto pagans. These are, there are two sets, secular rites that are secretly pagan. They're coded pagan underneath being secular, as well as, Christian passing rites, things that your Baptist grandma could attend without getting her feelings hurt. Yeah. <laughs> now that's something. That's something right there. Very, very interesting. I tried to think of everybody as best I, as best I could. That I like that. I, it didn't even occur to me that that would be awesome. Thing. Yeah, well, there's a, yeah, because there's a lot of people who have not come out of the broom closet and may possibly never ever do that. Exactly. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And maybe your spouse knows, and they want they want you to have meaningful rights, but they they haven't transferred over the bank accounts. They're worried about inheritance. They don't know what's going to happen with your house, so they need to have a funeral that uh, looks passing. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. those rights. Wow. And it even, there are even recommendations for songs you can play at the funerals, readings you could do. But they, I, you know, again, I tried to throw everything into my book sandwich. So. <laughs> that's awesome. I that, like this sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really. I mean, that's thoughtful. You really put yeah. the work in. That's <laughs> holy shit. I never even, well, you know what? It's your line of work. Of course you thought of it. I didn't think of it, but it's not my line of work. I have no clue. But thank you for thinking of it so that we don't have to because that is going to be a necessary book, I think, for a lot more people than you would originally have thought about because it's going to happen. I definitely don't want to see I don't want to see another another non-theist have to get a funeral where somebody plays Amazing Grace and talks about how they went to hell. They should have a funeral that's beautiful and meaningful to them, and yeah, and and still fits inside the spaces where their death has to exist. Yeah, you know, because I was raised by these Bible thumping fucknuts, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, if my mother, if my mother happens to outlive me, 
Now, see, I am the type of vengeful cunt that I will say, nah, you make that shit as pagan as you fucking can. Bring in as many other <laughs> pagans as <laughs> possible. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I mean, really put the screws to these cunts, would you? But Drape my casket in red and burn it in the backyard. That's what I want. Thank you. There you go. But that's not everybody, and I understand that. So I'm grateful for the people that are not me for this book whenever it comes out. Um, we can we can talk about another another forgotten death issue if you want, but... You know, Please. something, something that I try, I try and address in there is the death of children. There's a whole oh, chapter yeah. dedicated yeah. to not just youth in death, but abortion and stillbirth and fetal death and all these things people don't want to think about until they're happening. And then you're, you're confronted with the fact that you don't have any rights you can perform. Uh, about the mm. time I started writing this book, I, my husband and I had a miscarriage and it was really, it was really hard on us and uh sure. I wound up I wound up sitting down and writing what eventually became the first ritual in the book. It was a little a little invocation that you can read. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like, I'll read it to you. Would you? Yeah, That'd be great. I would love to. Yeah, please. Here at the brink of darkness do I stand would-be creator of life, delivers instead this death. None will be who they might have been, creature of all potentiality. Hold now and for all eternity that which I could not have held. Take into your night this little seed that within your sanctuary they grow at last. Bless this path that I have walked, my arms that would have held them, my body that would have nurtured them this grief that will always hold the shape of them against my breast. That's beautiful. Wow. Okay, wow. so we're, 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 we're tearing up because we've also miscarried. So thank you. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I, I say that as the happy mother of, of uh, two-year-old twins now, but uh, it was a hard time. I know. And, Wins! Oh my gosh! I know, <laughs> but you know, you have those yeah. moments, and you look around at your pagan community, and you look at the books, and you look at the materials, and you're like, "Where's, where's something for this experience I'm having right now?" Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's well. Thank you for writing intense. it. Yeah, that's really intense stuff. I mean, I cannot tell you how. I mean, of all the books I've been looking forward to. This book is probably one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most because it answers so many needs that we have in our community because I don't recall ever seeing a book that addresses all of this succinctly and in one place. I'm always so so surprised when people tell me they're looking forward to it because I feel like it's just this pile of sort of boring stuff you hope you never need <laughs> but, but but it's definitely a piece of my heart and I'm I'm so honored to put it out into the world for sure well we appreciate don't you sharing be, it with us I know that you think 
it's just this boring stuff and that people don't want to talk about it, but everyone knows that they have to. Everyone knows that there is going to come a time where you need to prepare your loved one for what you would have wanted if you're the one who goes first. Because a lot of us don't fucking want to talk about it. Because we like life. Life is fun. We're enjoying the shit that we've got that, you know, while we're here and we don't know necessarily what's coming after. So, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make the most of what's going on right now. And this gives us a great tool to say, listen, here's the chapter. When the time comes, you know, after, of course, I review it first and say, I want this, I want this, I want this. Don't do this, do this, do this. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a roadmap of something that, you know, a lot of us know we don't want certain things, but we don't know what we do want. And I think this answers a lot of that. And definitely, I mean, if you're, if you're clergy, if you're, you're a high priestess, high priest or whatever out there, and you have someone in your community who's going through this kind of thing, this, this is a resource so that you can say, hey, here's, here's what I can do for you, or here, here are some rituals that I can offer or that might be meaningful for you. I think mm-hmm. it, it definitely covers a lot of bases. But if you want, yeah. if you want sort of a, a funny or depressing, depending on your perspective, a mental picture, <laughs> I spent uh-huh. so much of this book sitting in front of my keyboard imagining really, really hard if, for example, my dog was dead, what kind of <laughs> ritual I would want, and just crying over my keyboard yeah. while I wrote <laughs> Every page, every page I had to pour my feelings into and just picture myself in that position as that person, what they would want or what they would need. And it, it just became like this elaborate form of, of drawing down someone else's grief and just trying to feel it in my own bones. It's, it's, it's been a challenge. hard. I, sure. I mean, I know that that's a hard thing to put yourself through, but you've got, you know, all of those experiences in you already. And the fact that you're able to, like, put it out in such a way that other people can say, yeah, I'm feeling this. Okay, we're we're here. All right, you know it's it's going to be extremely helpful. I think it's going to be incredibly beneficial. But I got to ask you, what do you follow it up with? What I'm so glad you <laughs> asked me that because I was ready to throw it out there. Um, so I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come in hard with like really emotional, really information-driven death rites and rituals and follow it right back up with necromancy because I'm a ridiculous person. <laughs> awesome. oh, I You're want the necromancy book that doesn't language. exist. I want it out there. I want the necromancy book that, that I wish I could have found when I was first, you know, making my, my journey into death work, something that isn't salacious and doesn't act like Necromancy is something out of D&D and doesn't act like it's, it's evil, dark magic. <laughs> death, God damn it, death is the most neutral, gray, middle-of-the-road magic you can do. It comes for everybody, regardless of who you are. And that well, magic sure. should be just the same. So, I'm gonna, oh, I'm excited I'm, for that one, too. <laughs> I'm going to be talking a lot about um, summoning, banishing, working with spirits. Um, healing spirits who've died traumatically and, you know, their anxieties and what to do about them and how to cohabitate with the dead. And 
just lots of, of rites and rituals and even practical work for incorporating death work into your life, both as a witch and just oh, as a person. So. I'm sitting here thinking she's riding a goddamn tour de force. There's not anything that could possibly follow this fucking book up. Boom, wrong. There you go. Now, if, if by then, if by then Llewellyn isn't sick of me, I hope to follow it up with necromancy part dose, which will be some much more advanced ceremonial type stuff, which I'm already writing you guys. If you're listening, Llewellyn, I really, <laughs> it already exists. <laughs> I happen to know that certain members of Llewellyn do listen to this show. Just mm-hmm. saying. Yep. <laughs> it already exists. I am not a do one thing at a time kind of person. <laughs> you know what? No doubt, but doing it well, man, that's that's the key right there. So I uh, you know, you're fucking fascinating. Anyway <laughs> we've kept you about five minutes longer than we agreed to, but too bad you're stuck. Hey, I'm happy anyway, to be. So you're kind of stuck. Yeah, you're, 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 you're kind of fucking stuck. Anyway, no, I, so I got to ask you, are you doing any, like, talks online or any classes to this effect, or what's what else is happening? I don't have anything scheduled right now. Um, I have done, and I do that kind of thing for sure. Um, if anyone's mm-hmm. interested in, you know, having me on for a chat or, or having me offer a workshop, I'm always happy to do that. I'll zoom right in and talk all day long if you want about all manner of topics. Um, my cool. specialties are osteomancy. I, I do divination with human bones, and I talk a lot about what that is and the legalities and the process. Um, and I also, I also do readings. If if anyone is interested in booking me for a reading, I do them for a donation, which I use to uh, fill a community library and a community uh, food pantry that we have street level. So you're Aww. amazing. You're just amazing. Can we adopt you? You're just a. <laughs> I don't I don't know about what that, pan? but I will say <laughs> this. I'm gonna I'm gonna need a promise, ladies. Okay. We're gonna have to. We're going to have to do this again sometime, but next time you get to bring it on the road to my house, and we're going to have dinner and cocktails while we do it, okay? Oh, hell oh, yeah. Right we're doing that shit. That shit's going to happen, but you are going to get rescheduled because I want to talk about this bone reading thing. Um, yeah. And I want to, I mean, and we, you know, the next time you're on, we have to talk about, your necromancy book, which I'm—I'll just rebook you when we get off the air. Anyway, Mortellus, <laughs> you are amazing. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for the education. Thank you for your generosity of spirit. Thank you for writing this book that we need, whether or not we know we need it. We need it, and I, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing out in the field, how you're serving your country. You're fantastic. Yeah. You really are. It was a pleasure to chat with you guys. Really, it was an it was a nice break from book editing, and uh, I, I, you know, <laughs> it, it's always nice to chat with you, ladies. Always. Well, well thank we you appreciate so much. It. Thank course. you, and we will we will talk again very soon. Have a great night. And, and, and give your everybody. really really ridiculous dog a scratch scratch from me. <laughs> I will. He's, behind, he's been shaking and scratching this whole show. Have you guys not heard him? He's a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> haven't heard a thing. Oh, um, one, one, one tiny plug, if anybody wants to find me online, huh. definitely check me out at um, A Crow and the Dead on Instagram or Facebook backslash Mortellus. Awesome. I'll get those links from you, too. For sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful weekend. Thanks. You, too. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. (laughs) All right, guys. We will see you tomorrow, uh, 3 o'clock, our usual Sunday afternoon show. And we will be speaking – well, I will be (laughs) – This is off tomorrow afternoon. I will be speaking with the author of The Little Work, uh, Dergatis, Alon Dorian. Dorian, excuse me. So have a wonderful night. We will see you tomorrow. And blessed be, everybody. Good night. Blessed be. Bye, guys.